At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. So we're going to do something a little bit different here with True Tech Tools on the podcast. We're going to do a True Tech Tools minute per episode because they have so many great tools on their online store and so many great sales as well. So right now on sale is the NAVAC NMV1 digital vacuum gauge. That's down to 144 bucks and it was originally 200. So it's a great sale and you save an additional 8% on that using promo code KNOWITALL at checkout. So guys, also too, if you want to save on Testo uh, products, you can get preferred Testo pricing one of two ways. You can go to my website. On the homepage, there's a True Tech Tools logo. Click on it. Okay, you get preferred pricing when you fill out the little form. Or after the podcast, I'll put the link in the podcast notes, and you can do it that way as well. What's up, y'all? It's podcast time. We're back, and we have another great podcast in line for you guys. We have a great guest, and I'll tell you about him in one second, but I'm going to tell you about my day today. Had a bit of a shitty day. I put a self-tapping screw through my finger. It bled. Ouch. We've all done that before, but an hour before that, I'm going to tell you, I was ripping some panels off an engineered air unit because they were corroded and rusted. One had a big gaping hole through the bottom of it. Now, what I didn't know is the screws are not just on the outside holding the panels to the unit. There are screws hidden on the inside all over the place in between the panels holding individual panels together. So it was quite the task removing three panels on this unit. Now, one of them I was pulling off and the panel attached to it kind of swung around and it hit me in the head, the corner of it. I was wearing a hat that hit me. It hurt a little bit, nothing major, right? So I just kept working. And a few minutes later, I noticed there's blood dripping down my face. So I touched my head and yeah, I got a bit of blood there. So I had to go clean this up, figure out where I was bleeding from. Um, and when I found it, it was this tiny little gash, tiny, tiny, tiny. All right. Um, it's in my hair. I can't put a bandaid on it. I put pressure on it for a few minutes and it ended up stopping on its own. I was in fear that I'd have to go to the hospital and get stitches, but it seemed to be okay. But guys, just keep safety in mind. I was by myself on a roof. Okay. I had a radio and a phone with me, but if I got knocked out from that panel and I was bleeding, like who knows what would have happened. Keep safety in mind guys all the time. If you're by yourself on a roof, if it's at night, um, just keep safety in mind. If I was wearing a hard hat, it would have prevented that from happening. And I know most of us aren't wearing hard hats when they're doing service. Most of us are wearing hard hats on construction sites and whatnot. But just keep it in the back of your mind, guys. Stay safe. So on the podcast today, we have Bruce Turnquist. Bruce is an instructor at Lincoln Tech in Connecticut. Okay, we're going to get into a conversation regarding... Uh, tools and kind of the proper ways to be using tools the right way. Not really the basics of tools, but using tools so we're using them correctly. We're not damaging equipment, not hurting ourselves, and not damaging the tools. So Bruce and I are going to have a really good conversation. He's a really great guy, really smart guy. Um, this is the HVAC Know It All podcast, guys. I'm your host, Gary McCready. I did a little write-up of the uh, Tesla 440 for Um It's on the tool review section if you guys want to go check it out. And what I didn't know about that tool is that it has a mold indication menu. So you can actually check for mold behind uh, like shower walls, for instance, which is really, really cool because if you can do that for a customer, one, um, they're going to love you. They're going to hug you, kiss you, shove dollar bills down your underwear. Who knows, right? Um, 
The other thing is that you can sell them on some IAQ stuff or upgrade what they've got already because mold is a bad thing in a home. People don't want to be breathing that in. They don't want their kids breathing that in. Um, so guys, check that out. The tool review, um, there's a link there to a PDF that shows that mold indication menu, which I think is really, really cool. Um, if you guys have ever charged up a car before for your uncle, your buddy, yourself, you know that you need fittings to go on to the piping underneath the hood. If you don't, Yellow Jacket makes them uh, red and yellow, two different valves. You attach them to the piping, and then they have quarter-inch ports on the side that you can attach your gauges to. A really cool tool, and if you do a little bit of side work um, on vehicles, they're a must-have if you're checking out the AC for a family member or a friend. Um, I had to correct somebody on Instagram the other day. What they said was, because um, I made a post of Big Blue Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero is the formula of Big Blue that is used in cold temperatures so it does not freeze. Okay, um, they're like, Mr. Uh, or sorry, they said Big Blue got its formula from Mr. Bubble. Well, that can't be further from the truth. I corrected the person on Instagram, and I'll just give you a rundown. Um, refrigeration Technologies Big Blue formula is their formula, nobody else's. Okay, in actual fact, John Pastorello, the CEO, uh, HVAC technician and chemist, has actually gone out and helped chemists of toy companies um, help them create bubbles, not the other way around. I just want to clarify that. And then you guys want to check out Big Blue Sub-Zero. It's for freezing temperatures so it doesn't freeze in your truck or if you're working in the freezer. Um, cool Air products, you heard the little ad off the top. Uh, Smart Shot is a, uh, a new product that's on the market. Basically, you add it to a system that's older. The efficiency has started to kind of degrade. It cleans up um, the oil deposits on the condenser and the evaporator on the inside. It breaks them down, turns it back kind of like to normal, basically in unscientific uh, terms. And that oil, those oil deposits are creating a filter between um, the air and the refrigerant and basically a filter to um, heat transfer. So when you get rid of that filter, you actually increase the efficiency of the machine. So guys, check that out. It's on there. Website, coolairproducts.net. Um, it's called Smart Shot. Okay. Uh, Field Pulse, as always, guys, it's there for you guys to test out. 14 day free trial at Field Pulse. Check out their free app, Simply Send. Okay. It's for invoicing and estimating. Totally free. You never have to pay unless you want to upgrade to Field Pulse and get all the features of a fully comprehensive service business application for paperless uh, billing invoicing, estimating, uh, you name it. So guys, I got Bruce with me. Uh, we're going to have a nice little chat, I think, but, um, Bruce just finished class, right, Bruce? You just finished uh, teaching a bunch of I students, did. didn't you? That, I that, did actually. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's awesome. It's a pretty long day. <laughs> so what, what time, uh, yeah, what time, day, but what, what cool. time do your days start when you, when you start teaching? So because I, uh, I teach full time, uh, we start around seven o'clock, seven thirty, and then uh, you know it's it's almost nine thirty now. So class just got out, so wow. it, it can be a pretty long day. Uh, yeah, yeah, that but it's, that, uh, that is a it, long day. It's a uh, it's pretty rewarding, you know. I can't complain. Uh, the good thing about you know doing it full time, at least here, uh, you know, I work for Lincoln Tech uh, in Connecticut, is that you know if you do full time, you're only here two long days like that. The other yeah. days that you're here, you're only here half a day. So, uh, not a, so it kind of balances. It's, it's not. It's not like, yeah, it's not all week, which is good. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty rewarding. You know, I, I do uh, enjoy it quite a bit. So. So I I gotta Otherwise, thank I you. I yeah exactly for sure because you gotta love what you do in order to to continue to do it and work these long hours right. If you don't love it, there's there's no point in uh, in continuing on. But I I do gotta thank you for. Um, offering your time. And I, and I know like, <laughs> I do this with a lot of people. I'll, I'll just like, Hey, you want to be on the podcast today? <laughs> and luckily <laughs> mo most people say yes. And I got to thank you for that. Um, that is really cool of you. And for those of you that are on Instagram and a lot of the, um, podcast guests are from Instagram because I find Instagram has everybody kind of creates their own brand on Instagram. It's very cool to see what other people are doing and you um you just started an account on instagram uh recently and and you're doing some 
some pretty cool stuff by kind of showing some of the history of the trades. And, and I saw your post about the older tools and the older trucks. And uh, I, I think that's really awesome. It, so if you want to just like shout out your, your Instagram profile name and kind of what you're doing and, and how you came up with the idea to, to do that kind of stuff, that, that'd be cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, and on Instagram, it's uh, HVAC Chronicler. Uh, so, you know, basically you can check me out there. Uh, you know, I came up with the idea, I, I did start it, uh, actually December, the first week of December, uh, this last, you know, this last past year, uh, and had, you know, some great response so far and a lot of, um, support by some of the bigger guys that are out there, including yourself, uh, HVAC, uh, Reefer Guy, you know, a few others. Um, you know, I, I basically had the idea, you know, I'm, I'm here at school teaching, you know, love doing the teaching thing. Um, but you know, I just wanted to kind of put out some of the things, not necessarily uh, the lesson plans or the things that I'm teaching, you know, every day, but kind of get the idea out there of what some of the things I'm covering with the students that maybe some of the technicians that have been out for a while, maybe, you know, never really got a true grasp of while they were in school, or maybe just be a, a quick reminder for them on some of the things that maybe they can brush up on. Uh, you know, I do that. And then you, you mentioned the history. Uh, you know, I, I do this thing on Wednesdays, uh, it's called Wayback Wednesday, and it's just a quick video clip of different things that I find cool that are kind of, uh, you know, they're, the history of the trade, whether it be, um, you know, I've done one on, uh, on some of the carrier equipment back from the 20s and 30s. I did one on, uh, like you mentioned, uh, service vehicles throughout the years. I did one on, you know, some of the antique or vintage tools. I just think it's cool to see that and have an appreciation for the history that we've, you know, that, that made us, uh, you know, the, the trade as what it is nowadays. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like, when I, whenever I go to like, uh, on vacation to a country and, and I, I always, I, my wife, <laughs> she can't stand this, but I stop and I read all these plaques and stuff. Cause it, it's, it's very interesting to, to see how the history has brought, um, brought us to the present and and that's kind of um what you're doing with that is showing the history and now we're in the present and it's kind of like um this podcast episode what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about some some older tools and and how you should maybe start um using them the, the differences between the older stuff and the newer stuff um that is that is our our topic for tonight but before we get into that um this is the first time on your podcast or on your podcast on the the, the hvac know-it-all podcast so maybe if you could just go into a little about your history, um, maybe in the industry and, and how you came to this present that you're at today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like I said, I, you know, presently I work for Lincoln Technical Institute in New Britain, Connecticut. I've been here for about three years now. Uh, I started off doing it part-time, just working a few nights a week. It's actually the school that I went to uh, for trade school, nice. uh, same campus and everything. I just, you know, I happen to know, one of the instructors that eventually took over the department and, you know, just, I saw an ad for, you know, someone, they needed somebody part-time and I jumped on the opportunity and, you know, it was uh, pretty humbling, you know, after, you know, I had been in the field for about eight years before I came here. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I thought it was a pretty good technician, but I can tell you having to step into a classroom and start to teach students, uh, it became very humbling for me because I, not that I didn't understand the material, but having to take it and, 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 you know, now make sure you're giving the, the students the same information that, you know, hopefully you got while you were in school and maybe even, you know, doing a better job than some of the guys that taught you was really, really an eye opener. And, uh, you know, it, it became a challenge, not so much a challenge, but a goal for me to, to uh, you know, make sure they were getting everything that they needed before they left. So, um, you know, I, I, I've worked uh, doing residential work, uh, both service and install. Um, that's where the bulk of my, uh, my history is with the, with the, with the trade. Uh, but I have worked for, you know, some larger companies doing in-house work doing, you know, steam and, and chilled water, things like that. Um, you know, so I, I do have a pretty good understanding of, of most of the basics, um, you know, enough to be able to, to, to teach those to, to the new trades people coming into the, into the school. You know, if I had one thing that I would say I was not an expert at is the refrigeration uh, aspect of it. But, you know, it, everyone is going to have their their uh, specialty. And, uh, you know, if that's the one that I know I'm not uh, the best at, I, I will never uh, be the one to claim that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and I agree with you on the humbling 
part of it because even when I'm with an apprentice and I'm teaching or somebody online asks me a question and, and I don't know the answer and I'm like, damn, that like, I don't know the answer. Now I got to figure out what the answer to this is. And it's funny when you're with like a, a first year green apprentice and you're, you're working on a roof or wherever you are and you're, you're changing a motor and he asks you a simple question like, um, what should the, uh, the winding resistance be on that motor? And you'd be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Let, let's go check right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So no, nobody, nobody knows all the answers and it humbles you real quick when you start having these very simple questions thrown at you and you can't even give an answer without going to double check or verify for yourself before you start teaching someone else. So do you, you get that in class a lot where you have these um, very, very green and new, new students to the, to the HVAC world asking you these simple questions and you got to stop or you got to come back and take notes the, the night at night when you go home and come back and give them the real answer. Do you ever got to step back and kind of do that? There, there have been some times I have yeah. to admit that, you know, someone will hit you with a question from, you know, left field and, and either you don't completely understand the question that they're giving to you at the time, or you jump to a, you know, an answer. And then, you know, sometimes you're giving them the answer and you're like, I don't think that's even answering the, the question that they had, yeah. you know, but in, in the best, best case scenario, it's, you know, you, you take some time, uh, you know, talk to the student or the group, whoever you're talking to at the time and tell them, Hey, I may not understand or have the exact answer for you, but I will get back to you. Yeah. I will do a little research because it only makes you a better uh, technician. If you can, you know, you should always be under the mindset of, I want to always learn. You know, there's, uh, sorry to say, there's not a technician out there that knows how to do everything. Uh, no. If they do tell you that, they're either delusional or they're lying to themselves and you. You know, so there's way too much. Uh, this, you know, the HVAC field encompasses so much that there's so many specialty little things here and there that nobody can know everything. So I'm not so much embarrassed when a student asks me something that I don't know. I'd be more embarrassed if I didn't go and find that information for them and make sure they understood yeah, you know, when it, I was done with them. Exactly. I totally agree with you. And, and just a little secret, the, the whole name of my um, podcast and, and brand HVAC know-it-all is based on guys that walk around and thinking they know everything because it's, it's completely funny. <laughs> it, it's, it's very hilarious when, when you have techs that walk around and they think they know everything and you ask them a question and they kind of fire back at you um, kind of defensively because they have no idea what the answer is, but they'll act like they do. So right. but that's what, that's what right. the whole thing is, is, <laughs> is, is based on. And um, I try, yeah. I try to tell people, like I just had a conversation with not even really a conversation, just commented back and forth about this new refrigerant. I posted a video on Facebook about this new refrigerant that's coming out. It's called um, TDX20. It's a, an R22 drop-in. And some guy's like, oh, snake oil. And I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Have you, tr have you tried it? Have you tested it? So how do you know it's snake oil? You're just making assumptions by throwing that out there. You have no idea what it is or what it's about or or how it works until you take it and put it in a unit and then if it doesn't work then you can give me your opinion but you can't give me an opinion watching a video yeah. none you can't yeah, you can't exactly. you can't yeah. do that and and that's that's what my whole brand is based on it's based on people that do that kind of stuff because it drives me insane I'll, and and i'll admit like I, sorry go on no i'm sorry go ahead i, don't want I was to just going to say i'll i'll admit i fell into that trap myself too yeah yeah, you know, it's very easy to do. It is. Yeah, it, it you know, is. Especially when you get a few years under your belt, you know, it's it's you want to be proud of what you know, you know but uh, it only takes, uh, you know, a certain, you know, it only takes one guy that knows a little bit more than you to kind of put you back in your place. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's uh, and there's a lot of them out there, you know. I'll I'll tell you a quick funny a funny story, and uh, you know, I uh, I was at a, a training seminar. Uh, I forget which brand of furnace it was, but it was one of these um, where you met at like a hotel after hours or whatever, like six o'clock. They fed you dinner. And, you know, I was sitting there with one of my, one of my fellow employees at the time, and we were waiting for it to start. And we see this guy come in, and we, affect, we affectionately uh, named him Patches McGee because he had this jacket on. He had a Carhartt jacket on, and he had, like, training patches from every training he had ever been to in his life. And the guy was probably, and, you know, not to pick on him, he was probably 30 years old, so I'm thinking he couldn't have been in the field that long. If he was 30 years old, I'd be surprised. But he, I mean, literally every square inch of the jacket that he was wearing had patches on to show everybody where he had been, what training he had done. And I said to my, you know, the buddy that was with me, I said, 
all you got to do is you know, go up to him and start asking him questions about that. And he's not going to know a lot of that. He's, he's thinking that by just having those patches on his jacket, that's going to get him some kind of credit to a lot of the guys in this room. But that's almost the worst thing you can do because those guys are just ready to pick you apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what? You can go to as many training courses really as, as you want, but it's the field experience. Um, when shit hits the fan, that's when you really start to learn. Uh, when, when you're by yourself and there's nobody there to help you and you struggle and you, you bleed and sometimes you cry because <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of HVAC techs that have been stuck on jobs that have shed tears. Um, that's when you start to learn, in, 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 in my opinion. And it's out of frustration. It really is. Yeah. Know, because you got to do something to get that system running or whatever it is. Yeah. I have to agree with that. On that. So, um, so the episode, um, the topic of the episode is you wanted to discuss some of the older tools and, and just how tech should, should come into the industry, just kind of knowing how to use um, these tools, whether they be older or newer or whatever. So maybe you can get into what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, you know, um, and it, this is kind of going to be similar to one of the podcasts you did uh, earlier, the Back to Basics uh, with Rocky Hyatt. I actually yeah. listened to it today. Yeah. And, you know, and, and because, you know, you got to kind of think about, the you know, the job I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm working with these younger technicians, guys that really, guys and girls, I should say, that really have little clue, most of them, when they come into doing this, as, you know, what, what they should expect when they, they get out there in the field. So I try it, and we try to make sure that they – have the basics before they leave us so that they're not, you know, fumbling through the, you know, the, the, the very basic functions of how to be an HVAC technician, you know? So, um, you know, I, I, I think that the new technology that's out there, all these digital type gauges and, you know, some of the newer, uh, you know, Bluetooth enabled things like that. I think it's fantastic for a technician that knows how to use a basic set of gauges. Yeah. Go ahead. And at one point, at some point in your career, uh, you know, invest in those digital gauges because, you know, the digital gauges themselves don't make you the super technician. You know, if you don't know how to take your, your readings on a standard manifold set of gauges and understand what those readings mean to you, it doesn't matter how much you spend on a set of gauges. It's still not going to get you anywhere. Exactly. So that's yeah. really what my ideas were, you know. Um, you know, some of the, some of the, you know, I've, I've seen electricians, never mind HVAC technicians, and not to knock an electrician or an HVAC technician. Um, I've seen electricians that have been in the field for 20 years that still really don't understand how to use a voltage meter. You know, not understanding it's a differential in potential. Not, you know, and, and, and I've seen them get whacked with, you know, with high voltage because they're just not aware of the difference and how to actually use that meter correctly. You know, it's pretty scary when, you know, technicians have years under their belt and they really don't know the basics so if i could urge anybody to do anything it's really make sure that you understand uh you know the basics on how to use these things before you invest on something more expensive so what are some of the tools that you're using at um at lincoln um tech to to, to kind of teach the students um to prepare themselves yeah so i mean we we have you know as part of the toolkit they get a digital multimeter um, but I have, you know, in, in, you know, in, in our arsenal of tools, we have analog meters. Do I sit there and teach them how to use an analog meter just to show them how to use one? No, but we want to make sure that they know how to take a correct voltage reading. They know how to take an ohms reading. They know how to do amperage, you know, to the point where it's almost like they are sick of it by the time they leave us so that, you know, they will be able to do diagnostic and do you know, use a wiring diagram, some of the simple things out there that you would think would be, you know, kind of covered until they were, like I said, are sick of it, but you'd be surprised how many schools aren't offering that. And I'm not trying to, you know, uh, you know make us sound better than another school out there, uh, but, you know, I think we do a fairly good job of making sure guys are, are ready to go. You know, I had mentioned uh, some of the tools that kind of get, uh, you know, left to the wayside. You know, if you have a combustion analyzer, say you're using a Testo 320 combustion analyzer and you're going to use uh, to do uh, oil maintenance or do a repair on an oil furnace, um, you know, one of the worst things you can do is stick that probe right into the flue pipe without doing a smoke test. You know, I don't know how many digital analyzers come with a smoke tester. 
Uh, I would say, and I, and it, someone can correct me, but I, as far as I know, none of them come with a smoke tester. So uh, if you stick that probe into the flue pipe and have a dirty flue when you have, you know, really, uh, you know, really smoky flue where it's more than a zero to one trace, chances are you're going to ruin the probe that you're using and your digital, uh, you know, analyzer. Yeah. So, you know, there's something to be said having an old, having a smoke tester around from your back rack kit or whatever it may be that you had laying around that you can go ahead and hit that first before you even try to put that, you know, that nice brand new, you know, $1,500 Testo 320 analyzer and, and possibly ruin it, you know, or get it so that it's, it's got to be recalibrated or, or sensors being replaced. Yeah. So I was, so, I was going to, I was yeah, going to ask it, you to elaborate on that if you could, because I don't work on oil and I never have. Okay. And ho- hopefully I never, okay. I, I never do. <laughs> I don't, I, you need an oil, you need, where, where I, where I'm at here in Ontario, you need an oil ticket anyway to even touch it. But, um, can okay. you, can, can you explain what you mean by smoke test for the people that, that don't know? Because I, okay. I, I don't, I don't work and, on oil, well, so I would, I'm going to learn from this too. Okay. All right. You know, and I, you know, I'm, I apologize being in the Northeast here in Connecticut, you know, and here in the U S I assume a lot of people have worked on oil because it's pretty prevalent in this area. Um, so basically, you know, we understand the idea of using oil as your, your fuel. Um, if you, uh, if you don't have your settings correct for your air and your fuel pressure and uh, things like that, if you have that burn, not at the correct proportions, you're going to end up having a really sooty, uh, flue pipers, you know, sooty exhaust coming from that, uh, from that burner. And, you know, you can tell, the operation of how well that mixture is, uh, you know, is burning off or how efficient that burner is by doing something called a smoke test. And basically what it looks like, if you've never seen one before, it kind of looks like an old school uh, tire pump, like a manual tire pump. Okay. It has, um, it has a slot that's cut into it where you can put a piece of filter paper. So you slide that into there, you kind of lock it into place, and the, the end of that uh, – you know, I don't want to call it a a tire tube, but a a tire pump that has a hose on it. And you put that into your flue pipe. And what you do is you draw, you draw the smoke actually through that tube, through the paper filter, and you do it, you know, 10 to 15 times, you pull that filter out and you can see exactly, you're taking a sample of the flu, uh, the flu, uh, you know, the exhaust uh, that's coming out of that, that burner. So by doing that, you can take that and compare it to a chart. And you can tell how efficient that, not necessarily efficiency, but how how dirty that uh, the flue pipe is. So, like I said, if you didn't have something as simple as that test equipment, that smoke tester, and you took a digital or, you know, you took a, uh, a combustion analyzer and put that probe in there, you're going to do some damage to that probe. So, you know, it's, it's an invaluable tool, especially if you're doing things, you know, doing any kind of oil work. And like I said, those smoke, smoke testers don't come with most of or any of the ones that I've seen on the market. That's interesting. That's that's cool. So if if you um if you compare it to the chart and it says, "Hey man, this this is bad." Like what do you do next with the furnace to get it um to get it to run properly? You just start adjusting the gas and so, air ratios to to try to get it to where you want it. You, you do. Yeah. So you, okay. you would adjust your oil pressure and you would adjust the the air uh the air band on the side. Yeah, of the oil, yeah, yeah. So I guess it, I meant it, to say oil. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, if you're if you're interested, you know, and I'm not an oil technician expert, you know, I can I can you know I know enough about it to, to work on and to teach it. Um, Nora does a fantastic job uh, on you know on their website, and all of their videos are free. If you guys are really interested in looking at it, I would suggest you take a look at their website. They have, and actually, most of those Nora videos are on YouTube as well, and they're there for free, so you can check out what I'm talking about if you've never looked at an oil burner or you know ever worked on one. Uh huh. Yeah, that, that 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 would be cool. I like I, I remember when I first started in the trade, I would be like a, a helper for a residential company while I was kind of going to college, and I'd go around and I'd just kind of be the the gopher. And all these guys were cutting out old oil tanks and installing uh, gas furnaces, and that's my only experience with oil. There was a tank at the side of the house um, with with piping coming into the furnace, and that that would all kind of be dismantled. And I guess they'd have the gas company in and, and run the gas line and they'd put the gas furnace in. Um, but it was, it was a lot of these tanks were cut because some of them were in crawl spaces too. these tanks and they, they were cut. Oh yeah. Um, they were cut to, to, to remove. And even though the oil was drained, it was still 
filthy and and whatnot. So I'm kind of glad <laughs> I don't have to have to deal with it. But that that is very interesting how you describe that that smoke test for sure. Um, so yeah, they, uh, I, I got to tell you, oil in itself is just a dirty thing to work with, but oh, yeah. it's uh, relatively easy easy to work with. It's you know, so it's basically the you know, you got air, you got fuel, and you got spark, just like any other combustion. So it's not yeah. something to be necessarily afraid of, but it is definitely on you know the dirtier side of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So so back to the tools, like the, do you guys do flaring in class? Because I remember when I first started in the trade, I was told just to go buy the cheapest flaring tool there was at, at uh, we have a store up here in Canada called Canadian Tire. And um, I believe I even bought one from, from there. Uh, just like a like an aluminum block or a steel block with, with, with the flaring uh, yoke. And it was just a manual one. And it worked great for years and years and years. And now, now we have these, um, like I have this yellow jacket one. It's, it's an, called an electric manual. You can put your drill into it. And it's got like a slider that shows you where to put um, cap off the, uh, the copper so you don't have it up too far. And then you can move the slider back. You can shove your drill in. And the yoke's got this automatic, um, I, I don't know what it's called, a tensioner or whatever, but it breaks so you know when the flare is done. So yeah, I, I've actually seen that. It's got like a torque setting or something built into it, right? Yeah, so I, I, I you know, yeah, yeah, I did. I did a video. I have a YouTube video on it. One of my older ones from like a year and a half ago. But when you teach flaring, do you teach guys how to do it the manual way? How far to put the pipe up into the block and and actually manually um, flare the pipe, or are you using these specialty tools? Yeah. No, believe it or not, we do. We teach. They actually, as part of their toolkit, they get a manual flaring block. Okay, That's cool. A, it's a you know, so it's, it's got flaring and swedging, so it's got the swedge uh, adapter for that. So you take the the flaring um, head off of there and replace it. So you know, there's a lot of brands that that are out there that have that all in the same kit. So we do teach them how to do it manually. Um, but I do have um, not too long ago, I got some donations from Navac. They were doing a big promotion here in the U.S. Uh, they sent us one of their, um, I, I don't know the model number, I have to apologize, but they sent us an automatic flaring uh, kit. So it's basically like a drill handle that's got the different dies on it so you can set it. Uh, so it's similar to what you're saying with the yellow jacket, yep. uh, but it's more of a, you know, it's got its own power source, uh, which is pretty neat. You know, so what I'll do is, and, and what we'll do is we'll teach them how to do it manually so that they, you know, because chances are they're not going to be able to afford something, even the yellow jacket one that might be out of their, uh, you know, out of their wheelhouse in the beginning. So we teach them how to do it with the tools that they get in their kit, um, and they do a pretty good job with it. You know, so it, it's it, there's, uh, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with using a manual flaring block or swedging kit. Even the old swedging, you know, using a hammer and the and the dies. You know, I, I a lot of times maybe just call me old fashioned. I'd rather do it that way than use. Uh, some of the newer ones. I, I don't know if it's just because I had more practice doing it that way, or just becomes more natural. It's, it's more natural to me. Um, but we do, you know, we do teach them the basics and in, in, in the older school way of doing things. Yeah. You want to know how old school my uh, swedging kit is? It's just like little dies, and I got to hammer them into the pipe. <laughs> I- yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what I have, and I would rather yeah. use that than some of the newer stuff. I don't know why. You know, and, it, and it, you know, and it's it's amazing how good you get at it. Like I'm sure when you first started doing it, you know, doing the swedging, they were horrible. They were all over the place. The you know, the pipe would be twisted and whatever. You know, I assume that's what most guys run into. And the more you get practice doing it, they come out perfect. You know, it's really, and just practice makes perfect with anything. I'll 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 be uh, 100% honest. I've probably done in the last 10 years about three swedges because I <laughs> I hate using those uh I, I i don't know there's something about those 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 dies that i gotta hammer in and i don't know how many times i've whacked my thumb i just like i'm like i get i get, I get couplings <laughs> yeah i mean hey you know do what you do what you can you know <laughs> but it's it's good no it's, that, it's, that's for sure it's good to learn because if you need it it's there and and you can put it to use and you can use it um in a bind or in a jam and and some guys prefer to swedge instead of using fittings because then you have less um less braises to make and less chance uh, of of leaks because you have less joints so right and, and a word word of uh, advice to those newer technicians you know try to explain to your boss that you didn't have a fitting to finish the job 
you know, rather than doing a swedge, you know, they're not yeah. going to want to hear that. that yeah, from me. no, <laughs> exactly. So, so what about manometers? Are you using like the, uh, the water tube style or are you using like the analog or what are you using for that when you, when you teach them how to use those? No, we, 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 um, you know, we have several digital uh, manometers. We have, uh, we also do uh, blower door testing. So we have, uh, you know, a, a differential manometer that we can use from that kit as well. So we are teaching them all of the, you know, showing them what's out in the field now as far as what they can expect to see. But we also, you know, we take it back and show them, show them the, you know, the slack tube manometers. And we show, and if it's not something we have, uh, you know, physically in the building, we'll you know, pull up a video on YouTube or whatever it may be to show them kind of where these ideas came from. You know, that's, I, I you know, I have books that, uh, refrigeration books back from the 1930s and 40s that, I can pull out and show guys where some of the uh, concepts came from way back in the day. And a lot of that stuff hasn't changed. The basics have been always been the basics, you know? So uh, I find it interesting to show them some of the older stuff that's out there. Um, I'm not going to tell them that, you know, a slack tube manometer is going to be any more accurate than the digital one that they buy, you know, at the supply house. Um, you know, it's chances are, if it's an older one, it's probably not going to be as accurate as a newer digital uh, you know, piece of equipment that you have, especially if you take care of it. Yeah. Uh, but knowing the concept of how that, you know, the digital version is uh, coming up with the same answer from, you know, using a slack tube or something like that, you know, sometimes that is enough to get them, uh, get them interested or, or, or understand how it, it really is cool to be an HVAC technician. It is cool to have, to know the, uh, you know, the specifics behind how something works, you know, that, that gets a lot of, our younger students really motivated. Uh, so, you know, that, that kind of drives us to show him, show them the, the older style, uh, you know, testing equipment as well. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, when you, when you, so you teach brazing and soldering and all that too. So um, there's been a lot of uh, like online, there's a lot of guys that are using uh, the B tanks now, just like the acetylene with the, uh, the single, like the, uh, the turbo torch or the ASCO, um, self-lighting and then there's the oxyacetylene and stuff what are you using in class as far as brazing uh, gases so we so we do we have about i think it's either eight or ten oxyacetylene setups where you have okay you cool. know you have the the double the double torch so we teach them uh one of the first things that we do in that class is we teach them how to use oxyacetylene because uh, you know, when I, when I, even when I came to school here, they were only using the B tanks. So they were only using like a, um, you know, an acetylene, acetylene, air acetylene torch, uh, where it was just uh, atmospheric air being pulled into that burner. Yep. Um, and so that's what I, that's what I learned on. And that's what I used when I was on the field. Um, there are some limitations to what you can do with just an air acetylene torch. You know, if you can do a lot more with oxyacetylene torch, you can use it for cutting and, you know, and even welding to some degree. Um, so there are some benefits of having, you know, to uh, having some experience knowing how to use both, because I don't know what they're going to have on their service van or their install van when they when they get out there in the field. You know, are they going to be responsible for buying their own torches? Are they going to be, you know, setting up their own rig? It really depends on the company that they go to work for. Yeah, so we, exactly. You know, it's in in my opinion, it's harder to work with an oxyacetylene um, torch when you're doing small brazing it's very easy for them to, to burn right through, you know, piping and, you know, and really make a mess of things. So if we can get them really good at using an oxyacetylene torch, it's pretty easy to teach them uh, using the air acetylene, you know, with a turbo torch, something like that. Uh, and then even, even easier should be, you know, just doing regular sweating using, you know, solder and, and you know, more of like a plumbing fitting. So yeah. we, we kind of take it and teach them from, you know, the, the, the hardest one, in my opinion, would be the oxyacetylene and then bring it down to, you know, some of the other types. Mm -hmm. So I got to ask you this. There's so many um, opinions on how to set up your oxyacetylene torch. How do you teach your guys to set them up? So we, uh, we basically, you know, I, I had to write up a, a, a set of rules on how to set, like, you know, what, what we're going to set for pressures. So I usually set, and I have them do their acetylene at about six PSI and I do their oxygen around 10. If they can get it around there, most of the time they can set up and have that, you know, it light off relatively quickly. Um, and then they, they kind of mess around with it a little bit. So one of the things I teach the guys is if they're going to have that oxyacetylene um, set up in their van, 
if they're going to be using it on a regular basis. Those regulators that you have hook up those tanks, anytime you have a regulator, you want to make sure that you keep the pressure off of those springs uh, when you're not using them. Even if you're only going to be, you know, having it in the van for a day where you're not using it, even if you're using it in heavy rotation, you can really save the, the wear and tear on those regulators by backing off that, uh, you know, the dial so that mm-hmm. you feel little to no pressure on there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys don't understand that. You know, even on a, on a B tank, if you're using a turbo torch or, a, you know, a regular plumbing torch, if you set, you know, if you leave that set, uh, you know, where it's got tension on there, you're just going to end up shortening the life of that, uh, you know, that regulator. And then you're just going to end up having to buy a new one. So, uh, you know, those are some of the basics that we teach them. Uh, hopefully they remember that stuff. You know, it'll be interesting in a couple of years, 10 years from now or so, if I'm still doing this, if any of these guys come back and, 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 you know, can kind of give me an idea of what, you know, what was useful and what wasn't, uh, you know, hopefully more than not. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I don't think a lot of that kind of thing was covered when I, when I went to trade school, or at least I didn't, I didn't remember that part. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I was always set, uh, taught to set my torches at, uh, five and 10 and you're, you're six and 10. So it's, it's pretty similar. Um, and one, I remember when I was, um, an apprentice and we, we used to do a lot of work in server rooms and, you know, when you light up, you, you turn on your acetylene, uh, you light the torch and then you kind of adjust your oxygen and you get that carbon kind of floating around in the air. So yeah, working yeah. in server rooms, uh, you have, you have uh, nice shiny white Lieberts or CompuAirs and all these server racks and, and all that. And I remember the, the head tech I was working with, he was just giving me grief about the way I was lighting the torch because this carbon was getting stuck to the side of the unit. So we'd have to clean it. And he's like, here, do this. So he'd, he turned the acetylene on and then he turned the oxygen on just so very slightly at the same time. Um, and I know that's such a big no-no as far as teaching goes, but this is what I was taught mm-hmm. in the field and you, and you light it and it, and it lights um, and it doesn't create any carbon whatsoever because that oxygen is on just a touch. Now I'm not telling everybody to go out and start doing that because you got to be very careful because you're working with fuels and oxygen and you could have an explosion if you're not careful. But that is something that he taught me that I found was, was pretty cool at the time. So whenever I'm in a server room, that's how I light them just because of that carbon. I don't want it getting um, blasted all over the servers or, or the equipment in, in the room. Have you ever, have you ever tried that at all or, or seen that or heard Actually, of it? Actually, you know, it, it's, it's funny that you say that because like I said, when I came to school and I, you know, I didn't really have any experience using that oxy-acetylene setup until I came to teacher. Um, so I, you know, I had to ask, uh, you know, my boss and like, you know, Hey, you're going to have to give me a rundown on how to do this. And that's exactly how he, he, uh, explained to do that. So you actually, instead of lighting off your settling and then hitting your oxygen, you, you actually light them off at the same time. So you're barely having any fuel or oxygen coming through the end of that, uh, that, you know, torch. Um, but when you do that, yes, there are some safety concerns, like you said, but you most times, more times than not, you're going to have, you know, less of that kind of curly cue, you know, uh, black smoke floating up and around because, you know, you can imagine with students, the opportunity for that to happen is pretty, you know, pretty prevalent. So, uh, but we do, we, you know, I teach guys exactly the same way that you were taught where you, you're feeding a little bit of oxygen and a little bit of the acetylene at the same time, almost in the same exact proportions. And then it lights off. And most of the time you don't have that. Uh, you know, the following where you have the, the, the black, you know, curly hues kind of floating through and landing on everything. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so whoever taught you, you know, they're, they're doing it and we're doing it the same way here. So, you know, whether it be good, bad or indifferent. That's what yeah. We're doing it. <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, so the other thing I was going to ask you too, is like nowadays, obviously when we get into the field, cause the PE oils and stuff being kind of like a detergent and kind of cleaning up systems. And, and if you're not careful when you braise, you can create that, carbon uh, buildup inside the pipe um, the poe when it goes through can wash it up it can clog up dryers and valves and stuff like that so we obviously we have to nitrogen brace so when you're in class do you guys um, teach nitrogen brazing at all we do actually yeah actually and we have what are you uh, using what are you using to to regulate the flow are you using like a proper uh, flow regulator or is there some other way that you guys are doing it 
No, we you know we have to uh, we have to use actually I just uh, ordered a couple the other day. Um, Diversitech makes a, a relatively inexpensive regulator. Yeah. So you can uh, you can dummy down that pressure that comes off of your uh, nitrogen regulator to a point where you can have you know a positive flow but not have too much uh, nitrogen coming through. So I'm sure you guys have all tried uh, to braze with nitrogen, and if it's, there's too much there, it's just it's going to cool down that joint to the point where it's almost impossible. Yeah, um, exactly. So we do um, we don't uh, have a one of those regulators as of right now. We just ordered a couple, uh, but we do make sure that we show them. You know, there's some great videos online, uh, you know, through YouTube and wherever uh, that you can see the proper way and what the effects are when you don't use a nitrogen, uh, you know, purging uh, rig uh, versus the one you do. Uh, because, you know, we all know this. It's it's, it's something that, uh, you know, either you learn on your own or was taught to you while you're in trade school. You know, the more contamination you get in that system, the worse off you're going to be. Um, so, you know, I can't stress enough, and I'm glad you brought it up, the fact that using the nitrogen purge, there's really no better way to do that. Yeah, no, no you're right. And, and I don't I don't own... Uh... A, a flow reg myself for nitrogen and and what i've done and i've i posted a picture of it weeks ago or actually a few months ago now but um because i i own a set of testo gauges um you can actually and i know it's not the same it I, i'm measuring pressure on the gauge and i know pressure and flow are to, totally different things but you can actually set up the nitrogen so you have about 0.8 i think it was 0.8 or 0.9 of a psi of pressure in the system um because that's how sensitive it is you just kind of turn the turn your nitrogen gauge up all the or turn it on all the way or, or whatever you want just a, a few uh even like 100 psi if you want um on the outlet of the, your gauge and or your reg and then you can um adjust your testo gauge just ever so slightly and you can have that that small pressure in the system, and you can you can actually put your hand up, but you can't even really feel it because that's how low of a pressure it is. And it worked out perfectly that way. So if, if anybody owns digital gauges and they don't have a flow reg, you can set it up that way if you're very careful about what you're doing. But I think that the nitrogen flow regs are probably the the better way to go. But you can um, use your digital gauges to kind of monitor the, the flow of nitrogen. Because back in the day when, when I used to do it, you had no idea and there was like way too much nitrogen flowing. It would be it would be coming through your joint, you know what I mean, as you're trying to braise and you wouldn't be able to, to fill that joint up with, with the uh, with the brazing rod because the, the pressure was too high inside the system. Just right. kind of put, put, push yeah, it out. Against the... <laughs> yeah, so that, that, yeah, is, that is one way you can combat that too if you don't have an actual uh, flow reg. That's good. That's good. You know, and uh, I had never thought about using the uh, digital manifold gauge that way, but that's, you know, that's a, that's a great tip and I'll definitely pass that on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, anything else you want, you want to throw in there? I know we've been on the phone for a while. So if you have some, any other tidbits, tips or anything like that for anybody listening, I mean, now's the time to throw them in. All I can say is, you know, and, and, you know, it's kind of funny to, to kind of come on the podcast tonight and I do appreciate the opportunity you know, and I don't want to sound like I think I know everything because I, I definitely don't. Um, but you know, one thing that I can give you guys as a, as a, a little bit of advice is make sure you understand those basics, you know, make sure that you're, if you're, if you're fuzzy on something, that's an opportunity for you to go back and either find out from a more, uh, know uh, more experienced technician or, or you know those books that you bought when you went to school those were expensive you know hopefully those books are still sitting in you know on your shelf somewhere or in your van go back to those books and read through there i i challenge any technician to open up a refrigeration you know uh, textbook and open up to any page on there and 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 not be uh you know challenged by something that's there maybe not the theory and the concept, but there's going to be something on that page that is going to be um, something you can brush up on. So, you know, it, it, you have to have that desire to, um, to better yourself. It's only going to make you a better technician. Um, you know, just make sure you understand the basics. And if you don't, don't be shy to ask, or at least seek out the answers that you've been looking for all this time. Uh, you know, that's going to make us all better technicians and, you know, uh, myself included. I, I consider myself to be, you know, a HVAC instructor, but you know, I'm a lifelong student, so I'm always learning, and uh, you know, I I really enjoy that part of it. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Fundamentals are where it's at. I mean, because whether it be refrigeration, gas, oil, steam, um, boilers, it, it doesn't matter. If you understand the fundamentals, the very basic principles of all of those um, genres or, or niches of the trade, um, you'll be able to understand more advanced topics because it all starts at the basic level. And if you can understand the basics, you should be able to put together um, an understanding of the advanced level um, once you're at that point. So I, I totally agree with you there. Good deal. Yeah. Cool. So I, um, Bruce, I appreciate your time. And um, anytime you want to get back onto the podcast and share your knowledge, if there's something cool that's happening in class, um, new new ways of teaching stuff like that because i guess the trade's always advancing so teaching always has to advance with it so anytime you want to give me a shout and get on the podcast again you're more than welcome good deal man i appreciate the opportunity i really do and it's been a good time thank you okay man you have a good night and i will talk to you soon all right sounds good thank you thank you bruce Well, I learned something new and cool. I didn't know what a smoke test was on an oil furnace until this podcast. Now, I don't know why I would have known about it because I don't work on oil. So anybody that does work on oil, if you guys don't know about that, um, there's a little tip for you. If you do already, then cool. We've covered it. And if you don't work on oil at all, it's kind of cool just to hear somebody talk about a different part of the industry that you're not in. Because oil is around still. I know um, it's not around as much as it used to be. A lot of the, uh, the rural homes, at least where I'm from, um, are starting to convert to natural gas, which I think is a good thing because, like we talked about in the podcast, oil is real messy um, for the tech that has to work on it. So anyway, thanks, Bruce, for getting on the podcast, guys. Guys, don't forget to check out my website, hvacknowitall.com. There's a bunch of articles on there, tips, tour reviews. Um, and don't forget to check out my YouTube channel. I'm starting to try to raise the quality of my videos. Um, some of my older ones with my old Sonom phone didn't work out the way I wanted to. When I listen to them now, I kind of cringe because the microphone is terrible in that phone. But I'm starting to try to raise the value up a little bit on those videos. So guys, check that stuff out. I'm out. It's been a blast. Happy HVACing.